Coming up, what could be the big weakness that holds back the LA Dodgers in the postseason? And is Clayton Kershaw really as good as we think historically? Discussing all that with Sully Baseball next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks to both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast, and and of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. I'm recording this podcast 1.15 p.m. on a Monday. I'm going to the D-backs game tonight. So when you guys listen to this on Tuesday's pod, there won't be any reaction to Corbin Carroll or, you know, any any discussion about Corbin Carroll because I'm recording this before today's game and it will be processed and posted for tomorrow before I even see Corbin Carroll make his debut tonight. So Wednesday's pod will be all about Corbin Carroll and how I think he looks because I will be there for tonight's game, his debut, and I will be there for Tuesday's game as well. So I'm getting the full Corbin Carroll experience in, uh, in the first two days of hopefully he's playing both Monday and Tuesday. Um, So we'll see about that. So if you're wondering why there's no Corbin Carroll talk today it's because i'm going to the game tonight and the pod is already pre-recorded and done so that is why you got to wait till wednesday for corbin carroll talk so let's jump into the pod so the los angeles dodgers are i mean for a while it looked like they were going to win 90 games before <laughs> before uh we got to september and they still could mm-hmm. they still could but uh is suffice it to say um in fact i think you should go to bet online and bet on the Dodgers winning the NL West. I think that's a good bet. <laughs> well, you would get what exactly what you put back. You win nothing. You say, I bet a dollar. Okay, they won. Here's your dollar back. You know, it's like there's you'll probably lose money betting on that. Yeah, you probably will. I don't know how betting works. Um, but LA, look at LA is interesting because Walker Bueller's out for the year now. Um, Craig mm-hmm. Kimbrell, their closer. Their nominal closer has been let's call, let's be fair and call him shaky. Okay, Cody Bellinger, their one-time MVP, is batting two. His, his he has a sub six seventy OPS. Max Muncy, if you look at his stats and go, wait a minute, I thought pitchers weren't batting anymore. Oh, that's Max Muncy. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Chris Taylor is not having a particularly terrific season, and yet. They're gonna. They're a cinch to win 100 games, an absolute cinch. Um, partly because you know their lineup has Freeman, who is everything they would have wanted him to be. Trey Turner, who's everything they would have wanted him to be. Mookie Betts, who is not having an MVP season, but is certainly super productive right now. Will Smith, no, not that Will Smith. No, the other Will Smith mm-hmm. has given them the pop, and. 
look at I'm not I'm not going to be a slave to win loss records because I think they can be deceiving. That being said, the fact that Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin's combined win loss record is 29 and three shows that they're at least pitching well enough to win the big games along with Julio Urias. Those are your top three starters. All are, you know, eating a ton of innings, all of ERAs sub 2.7. And guess what? Someone else with an ERA sub 2.7 is going to be coming off the disabled list. And his name is Mr. Clayton Kershaw, arguably the greatest Los Angeles Dodger of all time. If you're into war and sabermetrics, and I still can't. Yeah, but I, I still think any combination of Drysdale and Koufax takes that title. But the fact that Kershaw's lowest point of his place in Do- Los Angeles Dodgerdom is the bronze medal at this point. Uh, uh, yeah, it's good to have someone like that back. And lest we forget, Kershaw was having a fine season before he got injured. You know, he's pitched, he struck out 88 batters in 85 and a third innings, only walked 15. His ERA is uh, was 2.64. Uh, he was having a good, solid season. Maybe not his typical Cy Young season, but, you know, he's been very – he's done very well. By the way, another former Cy Young Award winner, David Price, has found a really nice niche on the team as so a super good. reliever, and good for him, uh, former Red Sox World Series champion. Mr. Cute and Cuddly, but um, the addition of Clayton Kershaw as it's essentially their number four starter for the postseason just kind of shows the intense depth that this Dodger team had. And while I've been singing the praises of St. Louis and of the New York Mets, it's tough to look away from this Dodger team. Yeah, Kershaw, Mount Rushmore of Dodgers, if we're talking the regular season, because the postseason stuff, oh, I don't know what Clayton Kershaw, but hey, that's a story for another day. Let's talk about the, the positive Kershaw, because like you said, maybe not a Cy Young season this year, but still 85% of prime Kershaw, still a stud, still an all-star pitcher, and if he's your number four, I mean, look, Kershaw in any other rotation is still number two number one frontline starter for most rotations. If he's there with the D-backs, he's right there with Zach Allen neck and neck as the ace of that staff, right? But with the Dodgers, their embarrassment of riches, he's their number four starter. You're going through their lineup. You're going through their the, the struggling players, right? The Max Muncies of the world. You also went through the highlights of the players, guys like Mookie Betts and other players who perform well, the Dodgers lineup. One guy you didn't mention is someone like Gavin Lux, who was one of the top prospects in baseball, and he's batting 297 with an 800-plus OPS. Like, despite the Dodgers having guys like Muncie and Chris Taylor struggling, they still have six dudes with 800 plus OPS and they still got someone like Joey Gallo on their bench who's since coming over as like a 900 plus OPS like the the embarrassment of riches on the Dodgers is crazy you look at their rotation you mentioned um Tyler Anderson and, to- and Tony Gonsolin like people want Tony Gonsolin to be the Cy Young Award winner I think that's a little bit crazy but he's still been fantastic this season they also got Dustin May back like you're gonna have Dustin May in that rotation potentially with Kershaw with Urias um and, and Anderson and the the other pitcher I just mentioned who I already forgot his name like you're still going to have five starters going into that rotation who could be you know number two number threes number ones on pretty much any rotation in baseball and that's still without Walker Bueller like you mentioned you got David Price as your super reliever now now 
uh, Craig Kimbrell, he does look like 2018 World Series Craig Kimbrell when he was super shaky during that playoff run. So if I had to say a weakness of that Dodgers team, it is that closing situation because they have a bunch of relievers that they could put out there, but it's probably going to be a little bit of a revolving door from the closer situation from the Dodgers. I'm probably going by the closer by committee approach once I get to the postseason and just ride whatever hot hand or just play the matchup or whatever you want to do there because I don't think I'm trusting Craig Kimbrell in a big postseason matchup. If you put Craig Kimbrell in those high leverage moments once we get to the postseason, I think that could be, you know, you know that could be the, the acts of death for the Dodgers. That could be the thing that stops them. So if I'm the Dodgers, I'm not putting Craig Kimbrell in those situations. That's the only thing that gives me hesitation about this team but other than that I mean there's not really many weaknesses around this Dodgers squad right now yeah the Dodgers might need to recruit a new closer once we get to the postseason and if your small business needs to recruit people for your job you need to head to LinkedIn jobs because as you gear up for fall you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders LinkedIn jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your linkedin profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire it's why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors linkedin jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown MLB that's linkedin.com slash lockdown MLB to post your job for free terms and conditions apply Let me just say two quick things. Um, they should just forget the idea of the closer. Just use whatever reliever is the best reliever for that particular situation. Don't worry about the save. Why do you worry about the save in the postseason? No one cares. Doesn't matter who gets the save. And and eventually, uh, you know, when Alex Cora won the World Series with the Red Sox in 2018 and Kimbrell was shaky for that ninth inning of the clincher, he said, bring in Chris Sale. Yeah. You know, he's rested. He's not going to get another start. I don't want him to have another start. You know, he was supposed to start the next day. No, come on in, Chris. Get get the final outs. You know, it doesn't, you know, and, you know, I'm sure Craig Kimbrell would love to have been the one to close the game, but tough. You know, just get at this point when you have the likes of like maybe a Dustin May's not going to get a start, Andrew Heaney's not going to get a start. You know, you're, there's a bunch of people who like Chris Martin's had, you know, a couple of maybe someone who they don't have a big, uh, scouting report on, you know, just mix and match, get those wins or God forbid you lean on the starting pitchers to go very deep in the games. I want to just say this quickly because I, I, I am a Clayton Kershaw supporter. Mm-hmm. I know he has lost a bunch of very big games over the years. I'm not going to pretend that he hasn't. He has had seven games in the postseason where he's pitched seven or more innings with one or fewer uh, runs allowed mm. and in all of those games the high in the hit total was three that was the peak and so he's had seven games 
over the years in the postseason where he has come through. And one of those games, no one seems to remember, was in the World Series. In fact, if if the Dodgers had won that World Series, um, there would have been an argument that Kershaw was the MVP. He came out of the bullpen and was dominant in Game 7, pitching a bunch of shutout innings out in relief. The one game he lost was the one game where there was a trash can being banged, which is, of course, when you take a look at that that Astros team, sorry, folks at Locked On Astros, the <laughs> fact that they they clobbered Chris Sale, they clobbered David Price, they clobbered CeCe Sabathia, they clobbered Clayton Kershaw, all these people who were dominant pitchers who suddenly looked like they were throwing batting practice. Clayton Kershaw dominated the Astros in Los Angeles and then suddenly through batting practice in Houston and then went back to dominating them in Los Angeles. And we found out that they were doing something a little shaky. So um, he it's cruel because that would have been his John Elway moment. That would have been his moment of like, you can't, you know, there's nothing more you can say against me. And quite frankly, he, there was an argument for him to be the MVP of the world series with that. They finally won the COVID year. Um, he pitched very, very well in that in that World Series, winning both of his starts. Um, I, I think everyone in Dodgerdom would love to win a World Series that wasn't COVID related or shut down. You know, I think they would love to be able to have the yeah, you won a World Series in that weird year. I they would love to be able to check off and say, yeah, we also won this year. It's to sort of, you know, it's sort of take any caveat off of the championship run that they've had. Yeah, I don't know if I want to get into a Kershaw back and forth with you. That's probably not the point of today. Oh, no, that's not. And I and look at and I as I said, there are several games that in the postseason where he came up incredibly small. And mm-hmm. the Astros weren't banging the trash can for every single one of them. Came up incredibly small the year he won the MVP uh against St. Louis in 2014. He came up small uh in uh there was a uh, when he came out of the bullpen and let up those two massive home runs in the uh, the potential clincher game uh, against Washington in 2019. I'm not letting him off the hook for his postseason failures. I'm just saying that he, you know, he has also had times where he is, he has come up and I just wanted to make sure that, that the, I'm, I'm cutting <laughs> off the emails I'm going to get at the pass because he has had, seven games where if you look at those lines that, yeah, that's, that's what you expect from an ace pitcher, seven or more innings, uh, one or fewer runs, three or fewer hits. You would take that from anybody at any era. So seven times he came through like that. So I'm, I'm, I I can hear the Dodger fans who follow me starting to go tippy type, tippy type. So I'm just putting this out. I'm cutting off the tweet at the pass. We know what Dodgers fans you could tweet at me because he's made 30 postseason starts. If he only got seven good starts under his belt, well, what kind of winning percentage is that? That's terrible. Dodgers fans, Clayton Kershaw, Payne Manning, greatest regular season performers in their respective sports. But when it comes to the postseason, they're terrible. And that's my hot take. Well, I, I think here's what I think is where you you have to be able to. I mean, like Kershaw's lifetime ERA in his 15 years and he's won 192 games. He's pitched 25, more than 2,500 innings to an ERA of 2.49, which is Mm -hmm. just terrific. And that same 
pitcher pitches to an ERA of 4.19 um, in uh, uh, in the postseason. So his his ERA is more than a run and a half higher in October. And of course, the biggest, biggest, and biggest crime of humanity against him was 2014, where he won the Cy Young, he won the MVP, and he not only lost his two games to St. Louis in the division series, but his ERA was over seven. And this was coming after an NLCS against St. Louis, where he went 0-2 with an ERA over six. I mean, he's had he has had grotesque postseason series over the years. So I, I'm not pretending that he hasn't. I'm just trying to, you know. Yeah, and I'm the reason I yeah, because the I'm reason I get on him, yeah, because the reason I get on him is because of that contrast. Because if you just compare that to players like of the similar elk in his generation, like Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, two guys we will consider on the same level, right? Verlander career regular season ERA is like a three two six. Postseason three point four. Max Scherzer career regular season ERA three one two. Postseason ERA. 3.2. So basically Verlander and Max Scherzer, they're the same guy, regular season, postseason. But for someone like Clayton Kershaw, it's literally like two different pitchers you get from the regular season to the postseason. That's why I give him so much, you know, just angst and, and crap for it. Because it's like, how did this guy convert into a pumpkin once we get to the postseason? Like, what's going on with him? Is it like a mental thing? He feels that pressure? Like, I don't know what it is with Clayton Kershaw. Why his game seems to falter once we get to the biggest moments. Well, and I and you have to remember about that 2014 season is you had the greatest contrast that during the regular season, there's no getting around the fact that Kershaw was the best pitcher in baseball. He just was. His stats were through the roof. The Dodgers finished in first place. He won the MVP. But there was such a perfect contrast when I, when I told you he lost his two games against St. Louis in the postseason, and you contrast that with his division rival, Madison Bumgarner, that same year, who threw complete game shutouts in the wild card game and the World Series, was the MVP of the National League Championship Series against the same Cardinals, and and had the one of the most mind-boggling World Series performances ever, where he won, he threw a complete game shutout, won another game, and came out of the bullpen to get the five-inning save to clinch the World Series. I mean, I will put that October against any in baseball history because he had to do it against four different opponents. And that so that you have that contrast of here's, you know, and Bumgarner had a fine season, but he wasn't a Cy Young winner. So it Mm -hmm. became so and that was the year where it became so clear that Kershaw was the had the great regular season, but wet the bed and the team that he went to bed against Bumgarner dominated. In, in the NLCS and just cemented his own reputation as one of the great uh, postseason pitchers of our of our time. No, that's interesting you bring that up, Sully, because I didn't realize this. Now looking back at it, 
Kershaw won the Cy Young Award in 2013 and then won Cy Young and MVP in 2014. So like you said, he's cemented as the best pitcher in baseball, arguably the best player in baseball at that time. But both in the 2013 and 2014 postseason, he's taken out by the St. Louis Cardinals who absolutely clobber Clint Kershaw. Right. And like you said, Madison Bumgarner goes in there and ends uh, the Cardinals. So I wonder if the Cardinals doing that kind of work against Kershaw when he's having those incredible all-time regular seasons, if that just, you know, invites ghosts into his head and just kind of messes with him mentally for the rest of his postseason career where he's like, you know what? Maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was because I'm an MVP in the regular season and then I face the St. Louis Cardinals team. They just absolutely destroy me in the postseason. I mean, he won three Cy Youngs in four years. And you could have made the case the year he didn't win. That was the year that R.A. Dickey won with the Mets. Kershaw arguably was better, but, you know, R.A. Dickey was the better feel-good story. And you know what? I'm not going to cry that he didn't win four Cy Youngs in a row. Someone who did win four Cy Youngs in a row was Greg Maddox. And people forget that Greg Maddox's postseason career was somewhat checkered uh, for a while. He did horribly against the Giants. He did horribly against the Phillies. And he was not the dominant. I mean, this was a guy he pitched in the steroid era. Uh, for the you know, while he was throwing to a one ERA in the regular season, his postseason ERA was several runs higher. Again, Maddox and Kershaw, first ballot Hall of Famers, no question about it. But both of them uh, in the postseason, Smoltz was the better postseason performer. Um, you know, Randy Johnson had his postseason ghosts as well. He had a bunch of years where he got pasted in the division series. Uh, and, you know, he made up for it with the, the great World Series he had against the Yankees. But Schilling was the one who had the reputation of being the great postseason pitcher of the two of them. And, uh, you know, it certainly it, that that difference between the two certainly was aided by the fact that Johnson got clobbered when he was with the Yankees and Schilling continued to pitch well while pitching with the Red Sox. Yeah, I'm also looking at that 2014 postseason run, like you said, Cardinals take out Kershaw and then Madison Bumgarner wins the championship series MVP against the Cardinals where he pitches great. And then he goes on to win the World Series MVP as well. So regular season MVP was Kershaw. And then you see Madison Bumgarner come in and win championship series MVP, World Series MVP, and basically retakes over the narrative as being one of the best pitchers in baseball. And then we have this negative narrative against Clint Kershaw at that time as well. So very interesting stuff that we just delved into, honestly. I didn't, I didn't realize all that after looking back at it. And then his next postseason start was a complete game shutout against the Mets in the wild card game. He just was like, he was just on such an unbelievable roll. Hey, um, I want to, two closers in baseball, um, two closers who have World Series ranks. Um, neither one were the pitchers who clinched the World Series. Uh, each did something very stupid the other day. One of them was a Aroldis Chapman. Uh, I've made my feelings known about Aroldis Chapman. He was the closer for the Cubs, uh, but Rajay Davis made sure he was not the one to clinch the World Series uh, with his the home run. I still can't believe happened. Um, and he was uh, he, he did something very stupid. He is on the injured list just when the Yankees need bullpen depth, and Chapman was starting to pitch better. Um, can you want to tell me why he's on the injured list? You know, I saw in our group chat he was on the injured list, but I don't know why, Sully. Why do you make it there? Uh, I think he was getting a tattoo. Oh, what do you mean? I he was, he was, he, he, yes, somehow he got one, I don't know, that missed. 
I don't know. I've never, I'm too hairy to get tattoos. I never got a tattoo myself. But here's the deal, folks. If you're making millions of dollars and trying to get your team back to the World Series, here's a tip from your pal Sully. Save the tattoos for November, okay? Mm. So apparently he's on the, you know, there's an infection or something like that. I don't know. Maybe he went to A-Rod's cousin. I don't know who did yeah. that, who was, put, who was giving him a tattoo. But that's got to be, especially for the Yankees, who have already lost King, have Nestor Cortez injured, are finally coming out of their funk. They went on that five-game winning streak after their big funk uh, and look like, okay, they're getting their mojo back. And, you know, they suddenly have a vacuum in the closer role, and Chapman was starting to pitch better. And then, boom, he said, now I'm going to get an anchor on my arm or whatever he was started, decided to do, and he's on the injured list. So that's pretty stupid. But I'll say there's something even stupider. And I've been screaming this for years. There is no excuse to end a game with a bases loaded walk ever, ever. And we saw it last night in a wild, weird game where Nolan Arenado came back from the injured list or from the uh, paternity list. He became a new dad and got hit a home run, four hits. But the, uh, the Cardinals were losing to Atlanta. Kenley Jansen, former L.A. Dodger who was also a bit shaky in the postseason, if you look at his resume, um, came in and uh, could not find the strike zone, including hitting Arenado and walking some batters. And uh, there was kind of a weird sort of infield chopper. Put the ball in play, people. Things happen when balls are put in play that scored the tying run. And then he walked in the final run, walked it in. I will never, I can understand in Little League. I can understand in the minor leagues. I can understand in college. I cannot understand in the major leagues, especially with Kenley Jansen, who's an all-star, who's a talented pitcher. If you are, if it's, you got three balls and you know a pitch is out of the strike zone, the game is over. Lob it down the middle of the plate. The worst thing that happens is he hits a walk-off grand slam. And then you tip your hat to him. He could swing early and pop it up or, or ground out. He could hit a line drive to someone. He could swing and miss. He could take it, but throw it down the middle of the plate. It will, because when, when he pitched through to end the game, it was practically a wild pitch. It was in the dirt. It, it will never cease to amaze me that a game can end with a walk-off walk. That makes no sense to me. Thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree. And if I'm Kenley Jensen, like literally underhand, like pop up, throw it to them. Because guess what? They see that little Ephus pitch coming. They're going to try to muscle that thing up so hard and try to crush the ball. And guess what? You have nine defenders behind you. You might just have someone be in the perfect spot. It might be an atom ball. So I totally agree with this philosophy. It. So one of the main things that irritates me, it's like a big uh, pet peeve of mine when I'm watching a baseball game, because if there's like, there, there's no reason to walk the guy in that situation, you know, it's going, the game is going to end automatically. So at that point, it's like, might as well just let the guy try and hit and just hope your defense is in the right place to catch the ball, because there's really no other option that you got as a pitcher, because if I'm just going to walk the dude, uh, like, what's the point of that? My team is already going to lose at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Guy leads the league at saves. He's a three-time all-star, you know, it's and it wasn't even like, a, and it wasn't the only walk off walk we saw on the night, which is crazy. Like we had two games right. in like one day with the walk off walk. Yeah, lob it down the middle of the plate. Lob, especially, 
you know, you're trying, you're, you're, you're trying to establish that you're a legit playoff team with maybe even have images of catching the Mets dancing in your head. You got, you know, you have a chance to beat the Cardinals, one of the best teams in baseball. Lob it. Lob it. Well, do you want, I'm going to lob another one down the middle of the plate and say, Miller Thomas, where can people follow you? <laughs> you know what? can follow me on twitter at creator thomas 24 for my personal account look up locked on dimebacks the show account twitter instagram um follow me on youtube locked on dimebacks on there and of course we're on all your podcasting platforms and remember miller thomas let's let's, let's review he's anti mike trout yeah he's anti willie mays mm-hmm. he's anti clayton kershaw yeah uh, you can follow me at locked on mlb pods on twitter and on instagram i'm your pal sully i'm at sully baseball on twitter sully baseball podcast on instagram giving you a salad bar of topics and talking about people from Willie Mays to Kenley Jansen and everyone in between. This has been the Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover for the 29th day of August, 2022. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. That's Miller Thomas. Call him Creator Thomas 24, at least on Twitter. Hey, let's just bump. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. On Wednesday's pod, we'll talk about the Corbin Carroll debut. I will be at Monday and Tuesday's game, as I mentioned, so we're going to have great insight there. Thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I cannot do it without you. Make your second listen of the day, though. Locked On MLB with our pal Sully Baseball, who just listened to Walking Baseball Encyclopedia, so go check him out. Come back tomorrow. As always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.